Join author and former Vibe Editor-in-Chief Danielle Smith and Black Girl Songbook as she celebrates and uplifts the talent of Black women in the music industry. Tune in for in-depth discussions with your favorite songwriters, producers, and artists, as well as anecdotes from Danielle. Plus, you'll hear the songs of Black women who changed the landscape of American music forever. Check out Black Girl Songbook exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome, listeners. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. This is... What is this? This is the podcast where we talk about... <laughs> <laughs> what is this? This is the anime podcast where this week we happen to be talking about J. Cole and Migos. Yeah, you know, um, it's... it's You know, it's... It's a choose your own adventure sort of situation. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it is... I think we're increasingly finding as we... Choose topics for this. Get listener feedback. Get listener recommendations. This is the older. This is like the old millennial podcast. I don't, you know what I mean? Like we subdividing uh, generations now. The, here's here's the turning point in this pod is that, um, Micah, you just had a birthday. Yeah, uh, the turning point of this podcast is that I'm now officially no longer in my twenties. Yeah. Um. um yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to be um, devoting like, you know, a lot of time to stretching, you know, <laughs> henceforth. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to pick up birding as a hobby. Um, birding? Oh, my yeah. God. I bought a fishing vest. You know, we're, we're just we're going we're going all the way with this, you know. No. And, and my birthday is next week. I'm about an apron. I baked a cake today <laughs> while watching the, the Bourdain documentary. I baked the chocolate cake from Christina Tosi's All About Cake. This is this is 30, bro. I'm older. I'm like 33, but you know what I mean? Like this is you have this to look forward to. Your shins being all messed up. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the uh, the. Um... You know, physical transaction between age and uh, ability to, I don't know. What is it? Like, you know, stand up without making loud noises? Is that is that what happens? Just Listen, like for- just, you know what it is, though? You got to let, look at Floyd. You know what I mean? Like, just Floyd Mayweather, like, he, he survived that fight with Logan Paul. Like, that, you know what I mean? You'll be fine. And he didn't work out at all beforehand. Yeah, yeah it was 44, so like, you're good. You're still cool. in a good, you you're know, in that cool. range. I, it's yeah. going to be all right. Yeah. Um, We open with all this just to say this week, I, a, a few listening emails that we've gotten got me thinking about 
J. Cole. Um, and I sort of realized, like, I, I go in and out on J. Cole. I, years ago, did this written piece with Shay Serrano on the website. That was actually super fun to do, but it was me and Shay. It was Shay being frustrated with the whole idea of J. Cole and me defending J. Cole, but like hedging a lot, but also being like, no, J. Cole is good. Like people need to get over themselves hating on J. Cole. J. Cole's good, right? Um, and I I think like first of all, people emailed us. They mentioned his most recent album. We hadn't talked about it. I think in part because we had been just, you know, talking a lot about games and anime recently. I think yeah, we've been just sort of we've been uh, floating face down on the mainstream for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, um, but it's also because, frankly, and I, I can be real, Micah. I kind of worried, right? I was like, Micah is definitely of all all the people I know, right? Like, Micah's definitely going to be one of the people who, if I say J Cole, Micah gonna be like, Nah, we ain't talking about that. Nah, yeah. <laughs> See, you 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 expected me to like you know hiss and then you know perch myself on top of the swivel chair, like as if to get away from the very idea of discussing J. Cole. But the thing is, is like I'm down to talk about it, baby. Yeah, but it's the thing is like I'm not even saying that as like maybe is like some prejudice in that, but it's just I'm so used to of other people of my cohort, my generational (laughs) cohort. My generation, my similar cohort. demographic grouping in uh, <laughs> the criticism of journalism today. Now, I'm I'm used to people sort of generally not wanting to talk about J. Cole anymore, um, and but I don't I don't want to just talk about J. Cole because I also people who read the Ringer website will notice that I I reviewed the Migos album. Um, Migos very different act than J. Cole, very different musical trajectory, and yet. I think Migos and J. Cole made me think a lot about what it means for rappers who were once, and by once, I mean like seven years ago, anywhere between 10 and seven years ago, kind of the vanguard of like, this is what rap's going to look like in the future, right? Like this is what the van, Mm -hmm. this is what hip hop is going to look like once we let, once we kick all the Gen Xers out the room, this is what (laughs) rap, all the New York Gen Xers out the room. This is what rap is going to be. and But then you get like seven years into that and all of a sudden, you know, Take Off sounds old as shit. J. Cole <laughs> sounds old as shit. Drake is starting to sound old as shit. And what does that mean? And also sort of what are the trade-offs there, right? It's sort of, I, I think they're, I think Migos sound conspicuously older. I think all of these rappers who once were like the most youthful sort of cutting edge thing about rap music I think well, I mean, sound- like, yeah, it's like they've they then informed American popular music like we said that they would. Yeah. And they've spawned like uh at this point a generation or two of stylistic children. Or like, you know, like other I it, it's like I don't want to use all these feather feathery words to say it, but I mean like they've been around for a while. And the thing yeah. is that they've we've gotten a bit, you know, used to I think that there's also just like a sort of point of saturation thing with Migos, right? It was just kind of like, let's get every check while we're hot. Like, and they were yeah. in finish yeah. line commercials and doing halftime shows. And they were the NBA on TNT spot. And then they were in TV. Like, it was just like, they were everywhere, ever present, featured on everything. Like, and I think that, you know, 
when you, the, the first the, the think about like the first uh like the first time you're listening to young rich niggas like the mm-hmm. the, the wire and next tape yeah and it's like and what year is that it's like 2013 2014 yeah you, you were getting yeah, yeah, yeah. like 27 tracks of mildly varying production <laughs> and say, several yeah. and like and like and it's like they got like a couple of the same ideas recycled over and over but it's right. fire every time right yeah or but also don't forget you also have of those 27 tracks at least three extremely weird songs yes that you know like the weird gospel song at the end of one of those tapes where it's just like you know what I mean? It's like, is this like an old Easy E record? What happened here? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, mixtape yeah, yeah. shit though. Yeah. It's bit, yeah. And it's just kind of like, but you got like it became uh, I don't know, like industrialized. I don't know. I yeah. don't know what's like the yeah. best way to put it. It feels like more sim it felt more assembly liney and like say around the time of like culture too. But then there was kind of like I mean, at least from my purview, I kind of like they kind of receded a little bit. And then Offset was popping up doing all these crazy features all over the spring. And then they rolled straight into this album and then it came out and I listened to it, forgot that it was coming out. And I was just like, oh, yeah, these niggas can rap. I forgot about that. Yeah. And yeah. In fact, you know, I thought... I think going into this convo, I was like, oh, maybe we'll do a general philosophical setup and then we'll dive into the albums. Let's, I mean, let's just talk about the Migos album up top. And then in the back half, we could talk about J. Cole, which came out a bit ago, but it's still like, I want to draw a contrast between these two groups. But like, Migos, um, I like, what do you think of the, the new Migos album? Culture Three, which. Break a brick down, nigga. Break a brick down, nigga. <laughs> I actually do like I think that it is I mean I think it's a fun I think it's a fun record like yeah. I mean like any I I I have the same opinions about it that I do about most Migo projects as they happen which is that there are like 4 to 5 songs that I'm going to play until I hate them yeah and you know the at the first listen through, I thought every song was like amazing because the album is so long that it gives you time to like just kind of I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to describe it as Stockholm syndrome because you like you can be like it's but it's there. Like you get used to Hasn't it. Been it's kidnapped just, like, by a rapper. Yeah. yeah it's just uh. kind of like, oh, like this is maybe this is the best thing I've ever heard. But then, you know, you play it back and it's just like, oh, wait, no, I actually only like Why Not and Avalanche and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm I'm actually super surprised that that was your, ex- like, that's the trajectory of your experience with it. Because I actually, I, I sort of assumed that I would, I was going to be the more initially bullish of the two of us on it. Um, and I don't know why that is. I think it's because I feel self-conscious about the fact that Migos feel old to me, even. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, no, nah, Mike is going to see the seams in this. Mike is going to see the seams and like, or you know what it is? I think I assumed you would more quickly than me feel that sense of like Stockholm syndrome wearing off <laughs> with Migos. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, I really like hadn't 
I guess it's just like I I think it's a, I, you could attribute part of it to just the weirdness of my musical diet over the last uh, couple of uh, yeah. Say months. more about that. The people want to know more about that. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, like there there was like seriously uh, a two week period where I listened to exclusively drum and bass music. Yeah. Like there's like I got really into noise rock around the turn of the year. Like yeah. there was um, a free a, a period of like West African jazz in there. Like um, uh, I got super into the misunderstood for like five days. Um, like it was just kind of like I've been all over the place, but also like while that's been going on, I'm still like. You know, listening to Icewear Vezo and right. Babyface Ray, and like, I mean, like, I've really been into rappers from Detroit lately. Uh, yeah, I mean, rappers from Detroit have had like a good, you know, yeah, few rappers years. from Detroit, rappers yeah, from Memphis, from um, yeah. uh, like Big Thirty, love Big Thirty. Pooh Shiesty, who like, mm-hmm. I mean, has the coolest voice of rap music right now. I think. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I've just kind of like been all over the place and I had not, I just hadn't been listening to Migos like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is what this feels like. Like when you watch the Avalanche video, you're like, oh, like I remember the first time I was watching the t-shirt video and it felt like, um, it's just kind of like a static blast of like references to the watches that they bought and the, and the car that they're driving currently. Like Offset mentions the Cullinan and spinning the block like 15 times on this record. <laughs> um, and it's just like, it's fun. I like, and, and you don't really want to have to explain it much further than that. It's like a really good, like, it's a lot of good rapping, like in, and a lot of it, like maybe too much, but that's all. You mean too much of the thing. good ra- of the like quote like the sort of capital G good rapping? Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 I agree with that. I yes. Or there's something self-conscious about it. I think especially like when you open an out al- uh when you open an album with Avalanche, right? That feels so distinctly like this is the track where we just feel like we have a lot to prove, you know? Mm-hmm. Um both the sample and the sort of breathlessness of the rapping. And I think it's good. I think it's a good energy to open an album with, right? But it's just, you know, I it there's was. something about it that feels obvious. Like it's like yeah. there's yeah. there's it's like the weirdness of having like the Papa was a Rolling Stone sample, which is like it feels like an obvious pull, but yeah. like it's not a song that's sampled often. Probably cause because it's expensive. The, it's <laughs> an expensive. It's it's expensive. Even Jay Z looked at that on the shelf. Is like, nah, bro. Nah, bro. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's too rich for my blood. Can't, like, it's, keep it, my cut. Yeah, but yeah, but like, it's the original record. Like, if the extended twelve minute version of that is a full, like, even like before there are any words, it's a very full song on its own. Yeah. So it's like, oh. Like, as soon as I start hearing that, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to hear rapping over this, but then the rapping is good. Like, yeah. yeah. Although that that song, being at the top of the album as it is, because it's so much, like, powerful rapping and because, again, like you said, th- that sample feels a little on the nose. I, I ended up thinking a lot about, and I wrote about this in my review, right? But I thought a lot about Versace 
And it's sort of, if I think back to when I first heard Versace, right? And this is, this is like the thing about music. It's why we all love music. It's why we all love the genres and subgenres that we love, right? Is that sense of when you're hearing new music, um, or even when you're even when you're young, right? And you're hearing old, like you're hearing old Prince records, right? That you're hearing for the first time, even though they came out 20 years ago. It's that sense of you're hearing somebody lay down some shit that you didn't know could be done, right? Like Versace is this, this record that feels like it was made by aliens when you first heard it, right? Oh my God, yeah. It's just like everything about the cadence, that beat, you know what I mean? The ad lib on the top, it's just everything about that rap record is yeah, like an I alien Yeah, I totally artifact. forgot that it had like the, like the, like it had like the jingle, like, the, the, the swishing Zaytoven drums on it and then yeah. it goes dee, 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 dee. <laughs> like it's yeah it does sound like being beamed down and then it's a shot yeah it's crazy like yeah. that record was insane yes and I and I think um a lot of the early Migos stuff before they become like more reliable sort of work a day hit makers so much of that early Migos stuff just sounded weird dog just sounded super it's a combination of it sounded just novel because it was weird. They sort of they picked tempos that other rappers wouldn't pick, right? And they were just getting like a, a unbreakable, unbeatable streak of great beats, right? But also they brought that energy, right? Because they had that in an era where all the fucking boomers are complaining about mumble rap, they really had like a very highly energetic staccato flows, right? They're basically like southern bone thugs in a weird way um but they're also their own thing and they had this unmatched energy and it was coupled with that weirdness and i think something about the new migos album i i feel kind of like you right where i'm like wow these songs are actually pretty great but at the same time a lot i was just sort of like i don't know if they have that alienness anymore and maybe that's part of like their they're they're suffering from their own success and influence right yeah, like, I think that there's, and I really, like, I, it would be so much easier if I could just compare everything to sports, but, like, this is, like, the way that I would describe it is that, like, originally they were, like, a pet obsession, like, a, they were sort of like a league pass team that you could, like, champion. You could tell people, hey, the Suns are actually good, you know? This is why. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they are actually the best team in whatever. And this is why. And people would argue and you could be, you could be like, you could know that you were on the right side of history. But now it's just kind of like, it's a popular thing. They're a primetime team. You yeah. see them every Wednesday. And yeah. then like, and they have maybe like, and I mean, like, I'm no longer talking about the Suns, won a championship or two already. <laughs> like... And it's just kind of like, oh, all right, well, we now have other types of like, even if you were on their side, you have different types of, you have like opinions about the players now, like, and their production rate or whatever. Like it's, it's, you have your, it's more varied. Like you don't just have to be like, I'm right. And this is, and this is, and, and you don't even know about this yet. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I think it's something that is just mostly, like, attributable to time. Yeah, it's the time and the social context and that. It's sort of, okay, I kind of want to agree and kind of want to disagree, right? Because part of it is, I think that's absolutely right, is that the thing you specifically said about 
um, I'm right about this and you don't even know it yet. Like that's that's totally where the impulse to have that protracted debate. is better than the Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. That's where that came from, right? It was less about making a literal statement about but the it Beatles wasn't and more about, about more it, about. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't about making a literal statement about the Migos being better than, than the Beatles. It was about the fact that the Beatles were, I mean, like, I don't know if you read like where they, where they were just like, people began finding like factual or scholarly evidence for this like argument. And one of them was like the Scott, there, there was a scholarly article about uh like, English pop music that came across the Atlantic in the 60s and that the Beatles weren't like special or like, you know, really that sort of differentiated from other acts that were coming out of England at the time. They just they were just marketed better or sold better or whatever. Yeah. And Migos like crash landed in the present. Like... (laughs) It was just kind of like, where the fuck did it come from? They were an asteroid. Yeah. But I do think that even, even seeding that point, part of me also wants to, to say in a, in a wildly, if, I want to abstract away history and say, no, there's something about Versace even now in 2021, where it's like, I would still stand here in 2021 and argue um, if, if, the, if the argument was the Migos are better than the Beatles, I would still introduce into evidence Versace. Whereas like, there's nothing on culture three that would really allow me to sort of keep up that argument that Migos are better than the Beatles, right? There's stuff on it that's good, but that's sort of what I mean is that like, part of it's the passage of time, but part of it is I think that when you when you standardize, when you commercialize a group like Migos, and maybe this is the, this is the whole vulnerability of a lot of the the mixtape economy of hip hop, right? Is that mixtapes and and albums are different art forms. You just know they're different art forms. You know what yeah. a good out rap album sounds like, and you know that that's very different from what like a good rap mixtape mix sounds like. And so the fact that like mainstreaming a group necessarily means getting them off the mixtape track and onto the album track actually to me ends up feeling like it's a disservice, not just to the groups, but to to hip hop overall, right? Because like when you do that, you're doing it mostly to benefit like radio, right? Or playlists and things like that. But it's like you're taking away from hip hop the thing that hip hop knows to do with the Migos, which is let them churn out these 30 song mixtapes with no editing. Although I, and you know, be careful what you wish for, right? Cause like Gucci spent a long time doing that. And I think it mostly just like wrecked all of our iTunes libraries. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of underscore O three, of you know, dot AAC going on it. Like there's a lot of this. Yeah. There's a lot of studio residue all over those mixtapes from the early two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I I liked it, and it's sort of um you know I think the other first of all Migos have always sounded old too. Like this is the thing: what does it mean for Migos to age? They all have those voices yeah, where like it's just they, like it's just oh, kind of like Quavo uncle. sounds. Quavo <laughs> sounds like an uncle, and he is Takeoff's uncle. Like it's like there's there's I I like I distinctly remember the record on uh No Label Two where he's just like uh where he's just. He starts that verse with, uh, like, she wanted me to wife her. 
hell no, nah, I don't <laughs> love nothing but my money and my rifle. I was just like, oh my God, that shit is incredible. Yeah, it was like his voice sounds like... But you old already. <laughs> you old already, yeah. Like calling people that are his same age, young blood type of voice. Yeah, it's, there's something about Atlanta where it's like, you could know that it's like a major metropolitan city, and yet you would call all them people country. Like, they just sound <laughs> country. Everybody sounds country. I don't care where you're from in the Atlanta metro area. You sound like you are country. <laughs> and that is what that sounds like. My rifle, like, that's that's some country shit. That's some old man country shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, you were mentioning, like, cars on this album if i can take a tangent real quick i will say for the first time in my life i was driving in manhattan i saw a maybach in traffic that shit looked kind of trash like i don't <laughs> people rappers <laughs> been hyping up maybachs to me since 2000 since deeper than rap at least right and i saw one in pla- the back look like it's made of plastic i think that that might be the richest shit you've ever said on this podcast um you know but thank you for your review of the maybach yeah, and I was like in a traffic jam too on the Lower East Side, right behind the Maybach in traffic. I was just like, I don't see the appeal. I don't see it. Um, we're going to talk about this generation's other favorite rapper, <laughs> J. Cole, after the break. Can we get out of the way up top? Why? Okay, here's the thing. And this was, I, you know, like I said, like I said at the top of this episode. Shay and I had an argument about J. Cole years ago on the Ringer website. And one thing I'm interested in unpacking, right? Because I, I know people who listen to this podcast love J. Cole. I find myself in a weird position where I am like a J. Cole apologist, but not from the perspective of someone who's like, oh, he's so misunderstood. Like, I never feel like I'm coming from a stand perspective, certainly. I just, I happen to think that a lot of the common criticisms of J. Cole are kind of wrongheaded. What is your general, like, relationship with J. Cole's music? So, I was, uh, like, a warm-up fan. Or, or what, what was it? The, like, the, the, the 2009 to 2011 era of, yep. you know, J. Cole mixtape you know when he was it's like when he, when he got signed right yeah it's like when he got signed yes. but before sideline's story comes out right yes okay yes yes was like where i that was where my j cole fandom was like but then, i mean like the album came out and i was just kind of like eh, you know i'm not really i'm in the other stuff right now yeah um i participated in in the in the j cole like is I oh wait no you know what it is I saw like there was this one time that Shay had a had a had a thread of tweets where he was just kind of like having a full on he was just like yeah guys just had a I I was just having a conversation with Jake Cole the craziest thing happened you know and I was just kind of like and it, 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 it goes on for like six tweets and they're talking about I think it was Born Center or something like that. I can't remember what it was what album mm-hmm. was that came out. And, you know, everybody's making the same jokes about, you know, I'll get this album three box springs out of five or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. And Shay's just like carrying on a full conversation with J. Cole. And I'm, and I'm believing it because, you know, he's Shay and like, you know, maybe you interviewed him. And it gets to the end of the thread. He's just like, and then I realized I was having a full on conversation with a sack of potatoes in my pantry. Like, 
And it was like, (laughs) so I mean, I like, I enjoyed in, I like, I participated in the, you know, kind of J. Cole puts everybody to sleep meme thing and like, liked a song here or there for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but I think that like I kind of was came back in on it around KOD and that like feature run he had after um afterwards, where it was like he was apparently, according to a documentary, quote unquote, the, the, one of those artists video album trailer things for this current album came out and he was just like, I just you know, felt like I wanted to be that nigga again. You know how niggas talk when they're like, you know. But anyway, like he was, he, if, but he actually did sound like he wanted, he was concerned about being seen as one of the best working rappers again. Yeah. Whether yeah, or not yeah. you actually had that opinion of him. Yeah. I, I will say like in the beginning, so the, the whole warm up thing, like I, I really didn't pay attention to like a J. Cole project until Sideline Story was out. And um, I think that that album's really spotty. Um, but I remember I, I specifically really loved Breakdown. It was like, it's certainly like a B cut from that album. Uh, it's like the second to last track. I remember I really loved Breakdown. And I had, and I, it's like from there and then through Born Center, I had this sense of like, man, there's something about this guy where. The swings he takes with his singles are a little too... He's using way too many napkins. But I think that when he gets sort of into deeper album cuts, he's much better. And I feel like his the hints at his real strengths were always sort of buried under his own album rollouts. Well, yeah, those they felt like they felt like label records. I mean, yeah, like the, I mean, the, the, the workout... Them, yeah, right? the, yeah. The, the, the workout single sampled uh the kanye record like right and then even after he's like making let nas down and he's sort of second guessing the instinct to make basically those label record instincts he's still also doing that though with his lead Mm -hmm. singles for a while until he gets to like forest hills drive right um at least that's that's that was always my read on him is that he was I, i had this weird sense of i always thought j cole even though you you understood who sort of the core archetypal J. Cole fan is, right? Like, you know, maybe black, but also maybe college educated and, and sort of like class driver. Like, you know what I mean? There's sort of, there's something just very distinctly middle class about what Cole, I think, was doing well, a yeah, lot of the time. Like, it's, it's just like very into the fact that he graduated from St. John's. Yeah. Like it's just like yeah, there's yeah. like it's there's a there's a certain like uh kind of pride that wafts off of people that like I have a college degree. <laughs> but I kind of get it. Like that's the thing I always kind of respected about J. Cole's lane is that that chip on your it, you're describing sort of the J. Cole chip on the shoulder. Um, but that's a real demo, right? Like that's a yeah. real kind of, and, and that's real underserved corner of rap fandom. I think, right, is the kind of person who has that kind of complex about that, right? And maybe comes from a place where it's like they feel like they are the generation in their family that is like a class transition or something like that. And I, I always felt like that's what J Cole is going for. I think part of the J Cole problem for a super long time is what I call generally in rap music, the rich forever problem, which is to say that like 
So by the turn of, you know, basically by beginning of like Obama, right? You have this problem where it's like the end of the old kind of just blaze, no ID era of rap music. And you have people st like struggling to catch up to the idea that like, look, in five years, Atlanta is going to be running this entire genre, right? And I think a lot of the early Cole stuff, especially if you compare it to someone like Drake, right? Like, I think Cole's musical sensibilities always felt like they were on the wrong side of that transition, that sort of generational transition in rap music. And that is like the thing that makes this, if you go back and listen to Cole's old projects, they all feel kind of like, even if you like them, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to totally shit on them, but they, they definitely feel dated in a very particular sense. They feel very like pre- Chief Keef, <laughs> you know what I mean? They feel pre, <laughs> yeah. they feel very pre Migos, pre Chief Keef, pre Future. You know what I mean? It feels like the furthest from that stuff, and I don't, I don't know how else to put it other than that, right? Like Cole, kind of, you would never call him like a real rap revivalist, but there is something. He's sort of like the other. If you're at a fork in the wood, one one path heads toward Atlanta, and Cole took the other path. Yeah, there's kind of, he's kind of got like the thing that Kendrick Lamar has going on, right? About like being like the steward of like things lyrical and musical in hip hop. Uh, like, and for some reason, or among a certain set of, 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 of rap fans, like that is something that stands distinct from whatever it was that Atlanta was doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I think that that would be, but I mean, like then there was, uh, that was like, like with the, with the KOD tour or whatever, when he went on tour with young thug. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, also worked on so much fun like there's just kind of like that was like an emphatic rejection of that by both sides of it yeah. you know um and yeah i mean like there's kind of a sense with the later with the with the with the latest stuff that like um his vision is sort of like coalesced, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I very specifically, when listening to the off season, have this sense of this is a hundred percent the album I have waited like twenty years for J Cole to make. You know, and I think that's sort of what I mean by talking about like painting into corners. I think on the one hand, at the beginning of his career, Cole at least did a good job of sort of finding his niche right like finding like this is again the archetypal j cole fan it might not make me the biggest artist in the world for now but this is like a reliable voting block it's like a reliable coalition of people who really like my sort of angsty college raps right um but i think along with that he painted himself i think into a musical corner with certain musical sensibilities and every single album or mixtape that Cole has put out to me over time has felt like him very, very gradually walking himself out of that corner, right? Because like where he ends up on the off season, it finally feels like, yes, this guy made an album. It feels, one, it feels like it, it does not have 
any of the corny stuff that like people have always like, even even when you get to something like Forest Hills where you feel like he's sanding off the edges, there's still stuff there where you're like, oh right, this is the J Cole, oh, this is the cringe. Right. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. like oh, he's still rapping about losing his virginity. Yeah, right. like there's yeah, there's there's definitely like a a a sense of like ease, like and there's a there's a warmth and like. I guess kind of I I guess confidence that didn't exist there before. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because that's the thing and it's not not because he's doing stuff or or making musical gestures on this album that are all that different from the previous stuff, but it's like on previous albums J Cole would just be way more self-conscious about it, right? Like 3 albums ago, if J Cole was going to put Cameron on his record, he would just find a way to be a lot more awkward about it rather than just being like, you know what? Cam's going to open the album. Let's go. I think yeah, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, Like, it's... Yeah, there's, like, a, like a, the J. Cole of, like, past projects would have to explain how he knows and why he respects Cam before letting him do his verse. Uh, like, you know, it's... Yeah, there's... It's just kind of like... It's just... It's just cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not like uh it doesn't feel fussy, despite, you know, the dramatic ass cover and the album trailer, <laughs> yeah, like I said. Yeah, the album the album cover does do all of the work that normally the music on a J. Cole album does. Yeah. Um it's funny, I was talking to we're making like a, a sound only extended universe at this point. I was talking to my roommate, my sophomore year roommate Freddie again. Um I was just like, Freddie, what do you think of Cole? Because I, I just been like, I have to go back to college brain me to really sort of reckon with Cole. And Freddie was making this interesting point that like, you know, Cole, Cole never sounds like he's f- having fun when he's right. He's like the one guy who, when he raps, like almost that is exactly right. He he's never, um, like his. It's not that he he's not Twenty One Savage, you know what I mean? But it's sort of like. There's a variety to his subject matter. There's a variety to perspectives he'll he'll adopt in songs. But you're right. His tone feels very monastic. I gotta um, say, though, like, 21 Savage sounds like he's having a great time with I, traffic. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I think, I, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of specifically, at least in the beginning with Savage Mode. I think the thing I loved about Savage Mode is that, like, I think the production oh, like feels mean, very like dynamic. The heartlessness of it. Yeah, yeah the, the heartlessness there's... of him and then the dynamicness of the that contrast on Savage Mode is like one of my favorite experiences of a rap record of like the past 10 years or whatever. But um, Cole, right? He has this, I said monastic, but what I really mean, and I think it, it, it speaks directly to why he had the appeal to people in the beginning, right? To, to that kind of college age or pre-college age demo is that he's, He's almost like Shinji Akari, right? He has that kind of particular angst. Be nice to me. I've tried so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he's angsty. He's not the only rapper to be angsty, but he's angsty in that very distinct Shinji Akari way where you just, you know, it's like. It's, it's, it is, he, it's, it is a daily chore and he, he bears how much, how much of a chore it is to get in the robot every day. In all of his records, there is right. there is a lot of uh, ordinarily, ordinarily there is a there is an overriding sense of like you know, and the J Cole album being like a monument erected to like the work it took to build itself, mm-hmm. like 
but like you know <laughs> there's a, you, like i mean like it's sort of like the middle child record you know where yeah. he is both explaining his place in the rap game and i mean like honestly his disposition uh like as a rapper like that is probably like the thing that most encapsulates like what you like my my, my personal image of j cole is just being like you know uh like that also uh, extends to the triad of that generation of rappers of like Drake is totally the older brother and Kendrick is definitely the younger brother. And then J. Cole is the middle brother. But I also would say that it totally, th- th- this comparison, right, with Shinji Akari, it's like, and as with Shinji Akari, right, the whole thing is that you either look at Shinji and you're like, oh, I see something of myself in this person. And like his angst is my access point for sort of caring about Or him. you're repulsed by it. Yeah. Or you're just like, oh my God, this fucking kid sucks. <laughs> right? <laughs> And that to me is like, that's very much the reaction to J. Cole over time is either you're like, yeah, this is a rap every man in a way that because think about think about rap in general, right? This is historically true. It's certainly true with modern rappers like, you know, I will never suffer complaints about why critics are pretentious, condescending, because like, look, we talk about rap music and rap music is the most condescending form of music. Rappers make entire songs calling you a broke bitch. You know what I mean? Whereas like someone like Cole, the entire perspective of J. Cole is like, no, no, no. I'm the everyman. Like I'm here to be someone that you can see yourself in. And I think Cole does that really well. It just also means that in contrast with other rappers of his generation, he's always looked cringe in comparison to that. But I think by the time you get to the off season, right, you're like, okay, in a way that totally tracks with like m- how I feel about myself versus how I felt, you know, what my self-esteem was in college, right? Like J. Cole is, the, there's more confidence. There's more of a sense of him being secure in his own taste, but also he's a better writer than he was, right? So it's, it's both that he's more confident in his writing and also the writing itself is better. And so it all, hold, it just holds together a lot better. And it means that when he does those collaborations, right, it, it no longer feels like a stunt for him to be like, Cam is on the record, Savage is on the record, Baby yeah. is on the record, right? Because it's just like, no, because he's comfortable in his own skin now. And so there, there isn't that sort of weird tension in the air of like, oh, does this guy belong here? Does he belong in a session with these people? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all to say I like I like I like off season a lot. I like it and that's the thing. I like it in a much more sort of straightforward, durable, uncomplicated way compared to his other stuff. And just listening to it the first couple of times, I really did have this sense of, oh my God, it took this guy like 40 years, but he finally made the album that I feel like I knew was in him for a very long time. And I can't even tell how big of a deal this album is. Like, what is your sense of I don't know, like the the general purchase for the off season, right? I think it's great. I mean, like I I think the album is really good. I I mean, I I mean, haven't been, you know, hearing it out of passing cars or like when I walk down the street or when I go to see people, you know, it's yeah. not like everywhere, but I think it's a very solid album. I think that people have recognized it as being a solid album. I yeah. think that even people that 
ordinarily have like the default setting of like, I'm going to make, I, I got jokes for this J Cole album. We're like, damn, this is actually good. And let go of my hand is like a really good song. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing I worried about was that um, J Cole is also, despite I think the cringe, despite the sort of ways in which he compares unfavorably with other rappers. If you judge him on the term of other rappers, I worried that J Cole has had a lot of album cycles where I think the conventional wisdom has been something like, oh, this album is different. Or, oh, this is the album where J. Cole figured it out. And so when we finally get to the album where I would endorse like, oh, no, Off Season is the album where he figured it out. I worry it's kind of like a boy who cried wolf situation. Where it's well, like, yeah, well, didn't yeah, they yeah. say this about Born like Sinner? It's not, and but also, it's not like yeah. we're on here saying that yeah. like we're having this discussion about like Big Sean, like yeah. who, that is the <laughs> no! only thing that anyone ever has Dark to Scott say Paradise about a Big stores. Sean. <laughs> That's the only thing anybody ever has to say about like the Big Sean album cycle always consists of him being Yo, rap's he most improved player. Yeah, he rapping his ass off though. <laughs> <laughs> El Pueblo Unido, <laughs> ya maseda <I> vencido. <laughs> TBT. Um. Uh, <laughs> oh my god Sean Dodd um, yeah that's the thing but it, you know what it is also it's like one listen people who know this who listen to this podcast know we some haters and if we yeah and if also we didn't feel, they should yeah, know, they know that we, Charity yeah. was had beef with, 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 with Big Sean which is not why over, tr- over Dragon right Ball now. Z yeah over <laughs> Dragon Ball Z had like beef with like half the rappers mentioned in this episode of this podcast yeah um, <laughs> Um, never squash the beef. Yeah, but I, I really, really, you know, something like Forest Hills Drive is an album where I probably at the time I have to go back and even look at what I wrote about that album. But that's an album where I'd probably say I, I respected Forest Hills Drive. Whereas this, I just think this is a good album. Um, but I also am like, damn, I just like the Zoomers probably not fucking with J. Cole. They, you know what I mean? They haven't even signed over the FAFSA documents to even go to college. Like, who knows? <laughs> you know, they're at a totally different point in their life. Uh, and I don't know if, if J. Cole rapping about his mortgage payments, you know, I don't know if they're at that level yet. Um, I don't know. Is it is it like old millennial to even give this album the time of day? I guess is what I'm asking about the J. Cole album. Because J. Cole definitely has that thing of like, because he, his narrative is so, it, it almost feels like you could date it to a particular graduating class, right? And so it's just like, well, if you're 10 years younger than that graduating class, then like, you just sort of missed the boat on this guy in some sense. I'm sure that there is like, kind of an element of that. Uh, going on right it has like the feeling of being like a passion project right yeah so it's not like there is sort of like the cloying attempts to you know reach outside of his age bracket yeah so i mean i would understand if it wasn't like something that resonated with zoomers because like you know it's not necessarily something that's aimed at them you know, it's the it's the it's the financial literacy course that they hope that you hope people will take or whatever versus, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the other side of that of, of, of that metaphor actually is, but I'm sure that like this is really more like more of like a more of a niche record than 
like you would expect from somebody of his level of popularity. Yeah, you know what it is? J. Cole has extreme substack energy, right? In the yeah. sense, yeah, it's just like very successful on his own terms, but his own terms are drawn very narrowly. And they have like a sort of DIY quality to them, but it's real success. Like you shouldn't like write it off. It's real success, even if it's not, you know, the New Yorker success. I'm trying to think of what the Drake parallel is. Drake is like the New Yorker. And yeah, J. Cole is like Substack. But it's just like J. Cole's really kicking up off of some Substack. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it I think that's the other thing that's impressive is like J. Cole, certainly more than Kendrick or Drake or other people in that tier. It's like he's made, I think, missteps, like creative missteps, but it's also you I kind of appreciate that it feels like he's dictating like the whole narrative arc with him is like watching him make musical decisions that feel like were forced on him by, or at least he felt like were forced on to him by a commercial marketplace to making decisions that are like downright artisanal, I guess. <laughs> right. And you're just like, yeah, I guess this guy is going to dictate the terms of his own success. And that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a cool album. Like it's a yeah. cool album. Yeah. I think that's that's all I got to say. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Listen, I feel like the the boomers got much longer life cycles of artists. Like, it's not you. You what if you had had like Funkadelic make records for seven years and be like, they they washed up. Boomers can make records for like 20, 30 years before we started calling people washed up. And then meanwhile, you have Migos go from being. Those damn millennials with the tight jeans to damn Vegas residency. Right. It's just like it took like like, six years for you to retire. I know them solo albums weren't great, but you don't have to put them in jail. Jesus. Um, no, those solo albums sucked. Let's just let's be let's let's keep it a stack 50. I I, I wrote this in my piece. I, I will say it on the podcast. I hereby retract, disavow, apologize. For participating in the, oh, which Migos yeah, should go solo yo, first? You know what? Oh, I would also go solo. like to I'm apologize <laughs> for 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 perpetuating such filthy and odious notions. Yeah, as 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 they should Repugnant. be separated and would be better apart. That was like that was a, yeah. that was a mistake. I yeah. am sorry. Yeah. It was not, that was not the wave. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got this week. We've settled the older millennial rap canon by talking about Migos and J. Cole. <laughs> um, thankfully, there's not a Drake album out yet for us to have to talk about. <laughs> listeners, listeners, email us, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Email us with recommendations of things you think we should talk about with recommendations of music or anime, manga, anything like that. Video games, feedback, arguments, start a fight. Just stuff, man. You know, birthday like, wishes. Say what's um, up. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Erica Cervantes. Additional production this week from... Sasha Eshaw. We'll see y'all next week.